This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 2018's Hellfest, directed by Gregory Plotkin. But first, our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Uh, happy Halloween, y'all. So we happy are Halloween. Pl- yeah, uh, we are planning to drop this episode. Hopefully you'll be hearing it on Halloween or, um, you know, hopefully you'll actually be celebrating Halloween and then you'll hear it the day after. But uh, we did it. Um, B and I just barely scraped in to get our four episodes in one month, which is kind of astronomical of us um i don't think we've ever done that so i'm very proud of us for getting four in and for two of them being like very very specifically halloween movies so that's um yeah that's exciting and you know i know it's a very different halloween so i hope everyone celebrates in a fun and safe way and still has a lot of fun there's been a ton of stuff to do luckily a lot of places realize the love for halloween is strong so you know I know B and I have both been to like a couple drive-ins, a couple events. Um, I'll just tack on now. Like I did the LA Haunted Hayride over here because um, they still did like a drive-in. It was like a drive-through slash drive-in. So you you drive through and there's like stuff on both sides happening. And like, you know, it's a big long, long line of cars. So you get to go pretty slow and like absorb everything. And so there's all this like cool haunted house stuff and like these animatronics and like lots of just like cool like monsters there's not a lot of actors on the sides um but then you get down into this like big parking lot and they have set up a drive-in screen and they filmed this whole thing that was supposed to be kind of like a grindhousey like there's a horror host who's this zombie and it's like very 50s themed and he sings a bunch of different songs and in between the songs there's like shorts and like fake commercials um and during the songs people are running around the parking lot dressed up and like coming up to your car and it was really cool um it was it was like a lot of fun and um the songs were actually really good i wish i could like find them outside of the the haunt because they were catchy and like halloweeny and like would be perfect for a playlist so i hope they release them um and like the people coming out to your car was cool the one thing it made me it was like it was i was like this is awesome but it just really made me want to go to an actual haunt <laughs> like mm-hmm. yeah i was like this is so cool but like i really just want an actual haunt um 
he just texted me a picture of her son and it's literally the cutest thing i've ever seen in my entire life so <laughs> did i get him that shirt is that when i got him yeah. i don't know yeah okay it doesn't fit him anymore hence why part of the cuteness is it's like a onesie that's like unbuttoned where his diaper is because yeah. he's too tall for it oh my god that kid um <laughs> and his hair is so long now um but no yeah, it like made me miss actual haunts and so that was like the one downfall i was like because afterwards i was all jazzed i was like cool now let's do an actual haunt and i'm like oh yeah they're not any like that's a bummer um and the other thing is like it was really cool with the people running around and they still had like people on stilts and stuff and it was really rad but i wish that i could assign like a liability form that they could touch my car because the impact of them if they had been able to like just touch my you know like get my attention like through the window it would have been so much scarier because there were a couple times where they were next to my window and i was watching the screen and like just didn't even notice <laughs> and i yeah. was like oh yeah there's a person i'd like look and i'd be like oh there's a person uh like uh um, oh, hello yeah so i wish they could like i wish i could have got that but um but it was still really cool and i'm glad that i got to like participate and you know one of the like one of the ways that they kind of found a way around it um and i'm going to a interactive drive-in tomorrow night um put on by shutter for the movie host and that's another one where like there's going to be like stuff going on in the parking lot um so i'm excited to see what that's like um and then halloween night i actually don't have any plans and i will probably end up watching halloween in the dark <laughs> uh i mean it is like literally my favorite night ever to watch that movie and um i don't mind it's just like you know I, I get to do a lot of fun stuff beforehand and I don't mind. Uh, I'm going to FaceTime B and see the kids and their costumes and then probably just kind of kick it and take it easy that night. I have the next day off. And so just enjoy. Are you going to dress up? I think I'm going to lay around in my, in my ghost face costume just because. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least to still be a you little bit. To. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. So it's like that, um, like really popular sort of like tweet meme that's going been going around that's like so what are y'all doing for halloween just chilling in your kitchen as dracula or what yeah pretty much i'm like just be laying on the bed in my ghost face costume um yeah so uh and then i so i watched last episode i talked about love and monsters um which was written by brian duffield and this week i watched spontaneous which was written and directed by brian duffield so he's having quite the year because he also did underwater and um he didn't write killer queen babysitter he wrote the first one though so like characters are based off characters by him um but uh really good it's it's this really weird offbeat like it falls in the genre it's more it's like okay so the whole premise is there is this class of high schoolers the seniors specifically the seniors are spontaneously combusting um and they can't figure out why so they get like put into quarantine and it's just this class and while it's happening two of the characters fall in love um and it very much changes their perspectives on life because they they know they are forced to understand that at any moment they could die with no reason um and it's very bloody and very funny and also very heartfelt i cried twice <laughs> watching it um because it gets very real and um it's got what's her name Catherine Langford, I think her name is from 13 mm. Reasons Why and um 
yeah, Catherine, is that her? And um, she was in Knives Out. Yeah. Um, it's just really good, though. I mean, it's 100% something worth checking out. Um, it somehow manages to balance this, like, super dark, uh, like, really sad thing and make it really funny and also really introspective and kind of like it like the end is does have a very good message of kind of like you know like live your life because you literally don't know what tomorrow brings or what even the next 15 minutes brings so um definitely worth checking out but get ready to feel the feels when you go into it uh and then the other one i'll touch on real quick is obviously like i try to hold out like i just said i try to hold out until there's a couple movies i like to watch on halloween and it's usually like hocus pocus trick-or-treat and halloween are like my three um maybe like hocus pocus the night before but uh, so i'm holding out so to hold out i did rewatch halloween 18 um the other night and um i just fucking love that movie i like i really do i just there's so much i like about that movie and i think it's so well done like the score i love the updated score how it's john carpenter and his son like redo the original score and there i think like that movie is just like i think it's I think it's really creepy and i think it's still like just as fun as like the other halloween movies and they do a great job with like laurie and you know then like her daughter and granddaughter and uh i'm like super excited for halloween kills they released the teaser trailer for today um but like i've rewatched halloween 18 probably like five times since theaters um which is a lot for a movie that just came out like two years ago um and I think it's just like it has quickly jumped up on the list of my favorites of the Halloween franchise. I, I truly I think it might be my third favorite behind H2O. Um, like but it, for me, it would go Halloween H2O and then and then Halloween 18. Um, I think and that that's just like off the top of my head. And obviously with 18, like very flesh uh, fresh in my memory. So um, but yeah. yeah, I sort of had the same feeling where I wanted to watch a Halloween. And, but so I decided to watch Halloween four. I, I, you know what? I like four and five a lot. I think four and five are both like, I didn't like them as a kid. And then the I older I like got, five, but I like four. I just hate the mask and four. It's so oh, God awful, but I like the actual movie itself. Right. I don't like five as much either, but four, I like, yeah, I like, I mean, I do like five, but four, I think is actually a really, really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the slasher stuff and it works really well. And it does. Yeah. If and it like, actually 2018, so rewatching it, 2018 pulls a lot from that film. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like if you look at the structure, like Michael being transferred and like the transfer going wrong and then meeting at a gas station. And mm-hmm. then like the whole – so I feel like 2018 just almost redid four. As a sequel and, like, instead of two. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like took the structure of that film, which I just never – I mean I've seen four a bunch, but I just never made that connection until I just did this rewatch and I'm like, Oh my God, this plays out so much like 2018. Um, and then, you know, 2018 obviously took it in like a much stronger way for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see sort of the parallels. It kind of reminds me of like how the Friday remake pulls from like the first four movies instead of just the first one. Right. That's how Halloween 18 felt like pulling from the other sequels as opposed to, like like yeah like yeah no um and it's funny like i think that's part of the reason i like four and 18 so much because they feel so halloween still right Mm -hmm. um whereas like 
and I and like I love H2O, but like it I mean and it takes place on Halloween, but it doesn't feel like Halloween. I uh like I think four and eighteen probably other than the first one are the most that feel like Halloween, which is why those four I mean with H2O, those four make up like my my four favorites. Yeah. So um but yeah i mean that's that's the major stuff i checked out uh i've just been doing a lot of rewatches obviously the closer we get to halloween the more you just want to like watch your favorite comfort horror movies so um just like burning through some rewatches um and then i also randomly watched blockers (laughs) the other night oh because i watched heartbreak um what is it called the heartbreak heart the heart oh fuck now i'm not gonna remember heartbreak gallery is that what it's called the Broken Hearts Gallery. Okay, it's called the Broken Hearts Gallery. It stars um, uh, Geraldine. I'm gonna butcher her last name. Geraldine Viswanathan, who was in Blockers, and then that's why I watched Blockers because after I watched Heartbreak or Broken Hearts Gallery, I wanted to watch more of her. And it also has Dakra Montgomery, who was in Stranger Things and the Power Rangers reboot. Um, if you get a chance to see this movie. B especially um it is so cute um it is like just it's so charming and adorable that it hurts like it's 100 percent up uh up our alley for sure i'll have to check it out um but yeah that's why i watched that so that was the connection there but that was the main that's like the one non-horror like things i watched and then everything else has just been horror like um our living room tv here has pluto tv already on it so i just throw it on the horror channel and i've been watching through like stuff on there so like stir of echoes has been on and a bunch of like really fun stuff on there so i kind of just throw that on in the background nice it's always fun it's like whenever i go to hotel i feel like i always watch the most random movies because i'm watching cable yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so that's kind of why i like it i'm like what's what's next right yeah um yeah we've just been doing trying to get some halloween stuff in um i went to the drive-in to see a double feature of scream and scream 2 um i've never seen scream on the big screen and it was such a wonderful experience i mean it's my favorite movie um and just to be able to see it um in that environment uh was great it was (laughs) It was funny because they were just like playing it off of a Blu-ray, like like the Blu-ray loading screen popped up and I was like, oh, good Lord, like, okay, guys, whatever. But I was very thankful to be able to see it in that experience. Um, only got like halfway through Scream 2 because we took our son, expecting him to just cuddle up and like fall asleep because uh, it was late. The first movie didn't start until 9. Almost 1 a.m., kid is still wide awake, just living large, eating freaking potato chips. And we're like, okay, time for us to be the responsible parents and, like, go put him down to bed. Um, But we tried. We just didn't know what he would do in that scenario. We're like, oh, like, he might sleep or he might be fussy. Like, we'll just play it by ear. He was totally fine, totally chill. We just knew he needed to go to bed. So uh, I saw half of Scream 2, and then we came home, and we just finished it at home um, after we put Liam down. Um, But that was still super awesome. Uh, I've been working through some of, like, the new, like, um, 
I guess, TV movie releases that have been pushed out this month. So welcome to Blumhouse or welcome to the Blumhouse uh, is like Blumhouse's partnership with Amazon Prime this month. And I've watched two of the four mm-hmm. um, films. So I watched uh, The Lie, which actually was a 2018 film um, that uh, debuted at like Tribeca, I think, and then got picked up for this. Um, so it's debuting like two years later. You can definitely tell because Joey King is uh, one of the stars. And because she is a teenage girl, like she just turned 21, I think, this year. You can I could tell it was filmed a little while ago because she still looks pretty young. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this movie like definitely is not super recent. Um, amazing cast. Uh, Muriel Enos from uh, The Killing, which is like must-see TV um peter sarsgaard and like i said joey king it's a thriller for sure um is directed by vina said i really really liked it incredibly acted good lord um it's just astounding when you come across like a cast that's so talented that you even though I know who all of these actors are, you just sort of get lost in the story. And that's, for me, that's always a sign. Like if you can watch a film and like kind of forget that you're watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely felt that way with this film. I'm sure I'm in the minority. It has a super, super controversial ending. And I mean, controversial as in, I don't think people like it. Um yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I will preface that I would be interesting. The only opinions I've heard on the film are from men. Um, I would be super interested to see if there are any um, women, um, either women, young women, or men who have teenage daughters, how they think of the ending. Um, Because for me, it makes sense. As somebody who was a teenage daughter, who has a teenage sister-in-law and niece, um, I have no issues with it. It totally makes sense to me, but I think it's something that's hard for people to understand who didn't actually go. I think it's one of those things where it's like, if you didn't actually go through that yourself or witness somebody going through it. Um, so I'd be interested if anybody wants to like hit me up, if they have very close experience, either being a teenage girl or with a teenage girl, what they thought of the ending. Um, I'll leave it at that because I mean, I do think it's worth watching Rye did not care for it nah yeah i mean i don't think Exclusively it's unwatchable the ending? or you just didn't go <sighs> for the film in general i agree with you on the acting front like i think it's very well acted um it's just hard for me i'm not a parent so like for me i watch that and i'm like what a bunch of stupid decisions and like yeah yeah it all made sense to me yeah and like that's the difference right and like so i have talked it's funny because like you were saying for like a female like i've talked to numerous women who also didn't like it but they're also not parents so i didn't um, think about that connection yeah i think that's a really important connection because like the decisions the parents make are really 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 dumb um yeah, and, see, I don't see that all. all. To me, it all clicks. I'm like, that's exactly what I would do. Yeah, 100%. so but like, and I believe that too. Like, yeah. and I believe that I would probably even feel that way once I have right. children. Yeah. And like, and like, I even feel that way a little bit with just like how much I love Liam or Cohen. Yeah. Like, I'm like, right. I would definitely lie for them, like a hundred percent. But in the moment of watching that movie, I'm like, 
oh come on and so like it kind of took me out of it i think the ending is like uh realistic and exaggerated like an exaggerated version of a realistic situation right um yeah so like i can understand it i don't like i didn't like hate hate the ending um i think the whole thing for me i definitely didn't hate it as much as like the internet did um i just kind of got to the end i was like that was fine like i was like yeah Yeah. that was fine that's how i I felt about almost all of those yeah i feel like it was probably just the perfect storm of like me being able to relate to the characters Like, not only am I a parent currently, I don't have a teenage daughter, but I was a teenage girl not too long ago. And, like, my beautiful, wonderful niece just turned 16. And she's in, like, the height. Like, my sister is literally calling me every day. She is, like, in the height of, like, teenage craziness. And so it's it all just feels, like, so, like, the perfect meld. And then I watch this movie. I'm like – Oh my God, this is terrifying. This could be my reality. <laughs> yeah. No, I so, can yeah. see how that makes sense. Take that for what you will. Um, if you feel like checking it out, I mean, it's on Prime. Uh, and then I also caught Evil Eye, um, which was directed by Elon and Rajiv Dasini. Um, it's a set, another sort of uh, parent, like listening to your parent, parent mother-daughter story i mean that's the core of this is like the relationship between this mother and this daughter and it essentially comes down to this mother has this like kind of belief uh you can call it like a superstition um she has some like past trauma in her life and she has sort of clung to this idea of needing protection from like evil people evil men and she um is in another country from her daughter and she super worries about her daughter and wants her to be protected and fears for her when her daughter starts dating this new man that seems perfect but the mom does not trust um and then it dives into like all of that and i really really enjoyed it um I thought it was a great story of like a mother and daughter relationship about like sort of overcoming like this idea that you're – I think we all battle with this idea that your parents are people. Mm -hmm. And I really liked those themes explored in this film where there is this moment where you sort of learn about your parents' life before you existed and before um, or like maybe they stop protecting you from their their past and you start to learn more about their life in general and you you just see it all unfold and that's a really interesting thing to go through as a child um, and like I've gone through it myself with my mother and that was just a really um, hard and strange shift in our relationship to go from this like sort of my protector parent to know this is just another human who has, you know, a whole history of a life before me um, that has impacted the way they parent. Um, I just feel like I got a lot out of the film. It really got me thinking and it has uh, some really good sort of like overpowering evil, uh, which I really liked. So. Yeah, I, I, I like that one. I enjoyed um, it. Again, yeah. it plays out mo- way more like a thriller. Um, it's a thriller as opposed to like a horror film. But in my 
uh, genre classifications. I consider thriller a subgenre of horror. Um, I know not everybody else does, but I think it's like a baby of horror. So uh, those are two I caught. Um, I am almost done with watching Hulu's Bad Hair, which is sort of one of their TV movie releases for the month. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'll check back in on that when I finish it. Um, Yeah. So look at me watching new stuff. I know. Wow. You're burning through it. Mm -hmm. All the the Halloween stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I know. It's like we were all unsure what Halloween content we get this year, and we still got a ton of it. So Yeah. I know The Craft came out today. I'm excited to check that out. I'm definitely- I did did watch it. I'll save it for another episode, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll talk about it because I plan on watching it, so we'll we'll talk about it on another episode. So again, spooky season. Um, Nice to see all this new content out. Yeah. Um, and speaking of spooky season, like I mentioned before, we are covering a movie that is very much a Halloween movie. Um, and that movie that we are covering today is Hellfest, which came out in 2018. Um, a mass serial killer turns a horror-themed amusement park into his own personal playground, terrorizing a group of friends while the rest of the patrons believe that it is all part of the show. Uh, came out one day before my birthday in 2018. So September 28th, 2018. Um, I definitely saw this movie in theaters, and I think I went on opening day, so I probably did it as like a pre-birthday present to myself, but I know I saw this one in theaters because I really wanted to support it, and I remember seeing the trailer and just being like, um, that's 100% my shit right there. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, it was made for $5.5 million, which I was like super surprised at. Um and when I was like looking into the production of it, um, it's the, my suspicion was true that they got a lot of their props and um, their set decorations from uh, Georgia's Fright Fest. So Six Flags like sponsored, sponsored, produced. I don't know what you what the technical terms would be, but yeah. Six Flags was involved in the film. They had right. like a cross promotion going on. So that year at Six Flags, they did yeah, Hellfest. They did yeah. a Hellfest, yeah. And so they had some movie stuff set up at Six Flags, which is I have only been once and I loved it. Uh, Six Flags, like their Fright Fest, I had a blast. It's the only type of thing I've been to like that. And I thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of, I think the cost was probably helped because Six Flags provided that stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um and a lot of the characters uh, were from Netherworld Haunted House in Georgia, which is one of the top 10 haunted attractions in the USA. So even like their costuming and everything was like already established, which also helps with like that budget being so low um, because they're not costuming hundreds of different people. Um, yep. Well, I'm sure they still were costuming hundreds of people, but those extras – um, who were all in costume, um, those people came through already. So um, I think that did help with the budget. Um, and, you know, they – not like a super – we'll get into it, but it's not like a super big cast or anything. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody really with a big a big name. So um, I think that saved them. It did fine. Well, I mean it did well. Uh, 18.2, um, I don't think it did as well as they were hoping um i think what is this is the same year happy death day came out right 2018 Mm -hmm. yeah uh, a couple weeks later which did what 40 million 
something like that. Uh, yeah, maybe even more. Yeah, happy that they did very well. Oh yeah, not forty. Uh, it made fifty-five in the U.S., but it grossed a total of one hundred and twenty-five. So I think that's yeah. what they were hoping for, something along those lines, and that just didn't happen. Um, but eighteen point two definitely made its money back. Um, so not not too shabby. Um. 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the consensus reads, Hellfest might give less demanding horror fans a few decent reasons to scream, but it's neither clever nor frightening enough to leave much of an impression. Um, I don't agree. With, I, I don't agree with it. I will preface this. Mm-hmm. I do not agree with any review we will cover. And a lot of times we will see these and we'll be like, yeah, we agree with some of that or I can see that. I don't get I don't understand. Um and you'll notice that none of them are from horror sites. All of them are from like AV Club or Variety or places that cover general film, which that's totally cool. Um, you would hope that, you know, Variety would p- assign it to somebody who is a horror fan who likes and appreciates the genre. Sometimes they do. Uh, a lot of times they don't. Uh I had to personally go into Bloody Disgusting's website to find what they thought of the movie because it was not cited on Wikipedia. Um, and funny enough, it was a positive review. Um, and it's really the only one I agree with. Uh, so that's always a frustrating thing as a horror fan. We talk about it a lot when we go over these receptions, especially with older films. Um, just nobody who cares, even likes the genre, they're a they're covering a movie where they're like, oh, yeah, so I watched this movie and I hated it, but I hate all horror movies. Well, yeah, okay, thank you for that fair criticism of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like every couple months that'll pop up on Twitter and just one, it'll be one or two days of every horror fan just being like, fuck this. Like, yeah, pay really- horror fans to yeah. write your fucking reviews or go into a movie open minded. Like, right. Either if you or. aren't a horror fan, that's fine. Like, I, yeah. I don't care. I want you to watch horror movies still. But don't go in going, I hate horror. Of course you're not going to like the movie. Like, right. unless it's some transcendental fucking movie. Like, Hellfest isn't going to change your mind on the genre. <laughs> well, especially, especially, especially slashers, right? Because they get docked for following tropes. And we're over here going, yes, the tropes. They're mm-hmm. doing it. They're doing it mm-hmm. right. They're doing the movie right. Hell yes, look at how they did this. And they're over here like, well, I've seen this before. And it's like, no, you haven't. There's a difference between, I mean, you could, and that's another reason why, like, I mean, I'm kind of getting into it, but like romantic comedies, horribly reviewed, absolutely horribly reviewed. So many of them, I've seen this before, follows the same beats. That's the fucking point. (laughs) It's literally the... Do we not have the hero's journey? Like we have story structure. We enjoy those beats. Exactly. Like we've had like story structures since the beginning of storytelling. Mm. And so to like knock a subgenre because it follows a particular journey, it's just ridiculous to me. I just will never understand it. No, I completely (sighs) agree. Yeah. But I don't know. I – change my major from journalism halfway through my first semester so what do i know um with that said i mean dennis harvey variety said the film's generic eye candy without much to offer the brain or emotions hellfest is 
uh, competently crafted slasher rendered instantly forgettable by its disinterest in character, plot, and motivation, let alone original ideas. I hate that review. I mean, I hate all these reviews other than Brad's. Like, yeah. because to me, a hundred, like we just said, like these are obviously coming from people that don't like the genre. Like everything about, like everything that they do is what we, like what slasher fans have come to love. And like, especially, especially this movie that is such a focus on Halloween and on the holiday and like this idea it's literally like about a group of teens massive. yeah yeah it's literally about a group of teens that likes to go to haunted houses and like be scared and like that's so many of us and they do such a good job of capturing that and like this just reads like someone who like doesn't understand any of that like doesn't have a passion not just for horror movies but for the holiday like this is mm -hmm. someone who's like halloween is not their favorite holiday and it's very obvious um, and that's like all of these. The next one, Ignati uh, Vishnevedetsky Vish of the AV Club gave it a D plus. Even slasher junkies desperate for a fix will find themselves bored by Gregory Gregory Plotkin's lame second feature. Not true. Um, nope. It delivers the tedious, heavy breathing buildup associated with the genre, but simps on the scares, gory, gooey, good stuff. Like again, don't agree with any of that. I mean, this movie is R. Has plenty of gore. Also, t the it delivers on the tedious, heavy breathing buildup associated with the genre. So you literally just said you find that this thing that it did well, that's a part of the genre, tedious. So you just right. knocked the entire genre itself in this review. Also to that's me, like problem. this movie is plenty gory. It's not like over the top gory. It's not Friday, but it, like it's gory. And also like, they do you watch slasher movies? Yeah. Like- Halloween is not gory. Scream is barely gory. Like, the, like Scream has one like real intense gore shot in most of the movies, and every other one is like, like a you know a normal like stabbing kill, but not gory. Like, I don't know. Sometimes things like this drive me nuts. I'm like, no. Like when I think of gory, like I think Hatchet. I think Evil Dead. Like that's a gory movie. Like slashers are not known for being gory. Slashers are known for being creative with their kills, not necessarily gory though um mm -hmm. like it just again reads like someone who doesn't understand the genre or care to um like i uh, the first line i just hate even slasher junkies desperate for a fix will find themselves bored because i'm like i am a slasher junkie junkie and that's not true at all like yeah, we were desperate for a fix and we got our fix and it was yeah, a really good one and this is my second time watching this film and i was even more impressed than my first watch mm-hmm uh, Michael Nardine of IndieWire gave the film a D plus as well, applauding its vaguely feminist subtext. Um, found well, that the for picking up on the, you know, best part about slasher films, the final girl trope where they rise above their killer and is very feminist. But go on, go on, yeah. Michael Nordine. Uh, found that for the most part, Hellfest simply adheres to long established genre tropes. Oh, yeah, that thing we all love. Got it. Okay, thank you for bashing our genre, dude. I know. That's just what they all felt like. Like, did you watch the movie or did you just find an excuse to say, I don't like slasher movies? Right? Like, sometimes That's I really what they all feel like. like, is this a criticism of the movie or of slasher genre? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, granted, these are just sort of their like polls. I didn't read, I. I'm not going to give them the clicks on the site to actually read these websites um, and these reviews, but 
you know, perhaps they actually go into the film uh, farther. The only one I I gave the time was Brad's uh, review on Bloody Disgusting's website. Um, here we go, guys. Four out of five skulls. Sounds about right. Uh, Hellfest over delivers on its promises, not just to be hardcore old school slasher film, but to take viewers inside a believable haunt. The biggest struggle is the fine line between being fun and violent, which ends up being a constant pull back and forth, just barely keeping its balance. Plotkin's a little too good at building tension. While Hellfest may not actually be scary, the idea behind it is as frightening as anything you see in the news today. Yep. Yeah. I agree with all I mean, of that. Everything he said. It's true. It's super suspenseful. Um, it's edited and shot incredibly well. And yeah, sometimes you you're you're shifted a little shifted a little rough in between those moments of suspense and buildup and like the fun moments, especially with like the standout um what is her name? Bex. Yeah. Um I mean, she's a standout in everything she's in. She's great. Um, but those fun moments with the teens, like it does feel a little push and pull um, between mm-hmm. those two. Uh, yeah. But, you know. I love that he says it takes viewers inside a believable haunt because, yeah. um, you know, like B said, she's been the Six Flags Fright Fest and I've been now to like a handful and like I, this felt exactly like a haunt. And mm-hmm. that's what I loved about it was like. That's scary. It, if you're into yeah, this, exactly. if you're into haunts, if you're going to things like this, like, I mean, I've been to some like low key ones, like locally too. Um, and like we had a friend, we got one, we got tickets and she just stayed in the car because she was just too scared. And so, yeah, there's people walking around and I mean, you genuinely never know if somebody is going to take it too far. Like you just don't. When they're coming after you, you just have to like keep telling yourself it's fake. But I mean, honestly, you don't know. They could yeah. be using this as an excuse to fucking slash some people up. It's scary. Are you talking about Linz? Did you go with us? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Oh, Linz went home. <laughs> yeah. She was like, no, I'm not doing this. That was hella funny. Yeah. We like got there and she's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this. That was Jared's fault too, though. Because she was like, I can do this if Jared, you stand behind me the whole time so no one can surprise me from behind. And then she even told the story later and she's like, and then Jared's ass goes walking in front of me. And I'm like, wait a minute, who's behind me? <laughs> and she's like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are reviews. Um, 40%'s not horrible um it's higher than trick was um for a new release um i'll take anything kind of close to that 50 is i just hate when i see it in the 20s which is really often for like the aughts and on um Mm -hmm. i feel like all these slashers are like in the 20s and it's like god frustrating um b what do you think of this poster i think it Um, is very um looks like like a haunt poster you know yeah, so they there's been quite a few. I this is the theatrical poster. Um, we'll post it on Twitter. Um, if you look at it's probably the one you're most familiar with. Uh, I don't care for the DVD or like Blu-ray physical poster. Um, I you'll don't, see I that don't either. it's super generic. It's really generic. Um, it's it highlights the killer, um, which I always like, but the background could use a little bit more inspiration. Um, mm-hmm. It's fine. Uh, I do, I do like this poster. So it gives, and it's, it's very, in, it's funny. So it's like in style with current trends that are going towards past trends. 
Right. So right now, like a lot of so you know, if you follow like Screen Factory, a lot of their releases are those illustrated. They'll they'll mesh all the cast together in sort of like an illustrated way. Um and like elements, it'll be, you know, a very fully thought out composition, which is kind of like calling back to the illustrative style of like the 80s posters, um, but updating it for like the modern audience where you need to see like actual cast members and what's going on in the film. Um, it's laid out really well. I mean, I like the color palette of going from like red to blue. Uh, it's... I, I think it does a good job of telling you that it is sort of this ensemble cast film. I don't get slasher from it at all. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. ex- I wouldn't pick this up and think it was a slasher. I would think it was just a I don't even know what genre, but just like a general horror movie, more like a final destination type thing where people are just like dying at a haunt. Um, it kind of gives me like Final Destination 3 vibes, not poster-wise, but, like, if that movie were to be made into a poster now, I feel like it would look something like this, uh, and probably just because of the whole, like, roller coasters and stuff in the background. Um, right. But, yeah, it's – and, again, like, call back to those older posters, more of, like, the 70s trend where you have, like, a border uh, around uh, – so you have your poster art, and then you have a border to – have all of your technical jargon and your one of your taglines so this one's from an executive producer of the walking dead obviously that's a big selling point especially two years ago um fun going in hell getting out in the actual poster and then um all of your your general credits at the very bottom um my biggest complaint i think it would that i think that the title treatment should be like larger, more impactful. Yeah. It does benefit from the fact that it's also red. So you, your eyes are going to go up to the top first because it's really, really saturated. And then it's probably going to bring you down to that hell fest. But uh, you should see the title first. That should be the first thing you see. Um, right. And could have been treated a little bit larger. But um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a well-executed poster. Yeah. I think it does a good job of like at least relaying it's like this is about a haunt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so um I yeah, I like it. I think um and like you said the il- the whole illustrated thing it's very screen factory ask, right? So that makes sense too. Um taglines like we mentioned, I mean we have the from an executive producer of The Walking Dead like thrown out there but also fun going in, hell going out and then the other one is care never felt so real. Um, which both are totally appropriate for it. I prefer the fun going in, hell going, getting out mentions like kind of the title of the movie. Um, so I like that too. Um, no sequels, uh, definitely sets up for a sequel and, um, prequel and sequel ideas were, both developed by the writers and director. Um, so Gregory Plotkin did say, you know, um, that the box office wasn't quite what people were hoping for, for a sequel. Um, said everyone's been so wonderful from cbs lion gate gail um who uh we have a lot of ideas i think this character that this is a character we want to explore in reference to the actual killer um i really want to explore oh yeah the other um i really want to explore tony todd's character and the fact that he owns this place more tony's a phenomenal person a phenomenal actor he and i had a lot of conversations about it which obviously 
Um, why wouldn't you want to keep Tony Todd around? Um, <laughs> and then he went on to say, like, there's this idea of a mask room um, for the kills that the villain has done in the years past. I've thought quite a few new kills we could employ in some different scenarios. Six or seven years ago, these parks were not as elaborate or as intricate as they were today. We have a lot of different geographical locations where we could stage a park if we're lucky enough to do it. I would love to. Unfortunately, it's not in my hands right now. Um, so that's their prequels idea. Like, what are all those other masks that he's obviously used on other Halloweens? Right. And so, like, and we even, like, the, the you know, the cold open of this movie essentially is um, a pre-kill to this one. Mm-hmm. So, or to, like, to, to the, to this night. So, um, our director is Gregory Plotkin. He was also the director on Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, which is my least favorite in the franchise. Sorry, Gregory. <laughs> um, it's not... I actually, so I B hates those movies. I like those movies. Um, I can't say I hate them because I've only seen the first one. That's true. So B hates the first one. Um, I like most of them. Um, you know, we've had our fun little run of directors through them too now because we've had um, Christopher Landon and Gregory uh-huh. Plotkin do them. Um, Landon did four and Plotkin did Ghost Mention, which is five. Um, and I just recently rewatched them too. And um, Ghost Mention this time around, I actually liked more than the first time I watched it. But it's kind of, it's just like kind of a silly movie. But um, he was also the editor on Paranormal Activities um, 2 through 5. He was the editor for Get Out, Happy Death Day, Game Night. He's obviously like a, a Blum yeah. kind of guy. Um, yeah. This was not Blumhouse though. No. Um, so branching out from that. What is going on with these writers, Bass? <laughs> So six writers, um, the script is like kind of all over the place. So like three are credited for the screenplay and three are credited for the story. Um, So I'm not really sure what happened if they just had like a lot going on and they kind of had to end up tying all these people's names in. Um, So uh, I'll just briefly go through them. Um, Seth Sherwood, uh, he is uh, a writer for Light as a Feather TV show, which Ryan and I have talked about a few times. Uh, Blair Butler, Akila Cooper uh, has been announced to be writing The Nun 2, um, which is not out yet. Um, Producer for Luke Cage, Witches of Easton, The 100, American Horror Story. Um, Big producer, um tons of american horror stuff which is beast End. i really liked that show um so definitely big in sort of that world for sure um it'd be interesting to see uh the nun too um and then story by william pennick uh christopher say and then uh steven sesco who also wrote the grudge one and two the possession and unfriended dark web um, yeah, so, yeah it's quite a lineup whole slew of people with a variety of experience and um i mean all seem to have stuff in the genre for sure um oh man the score did you notice the score oh of course i did it's had to yeah because it's fair yeah like he's just too good i Mm -hmm. he's easily my favorite horror composer right now And he is going to go down as one of the best. He is going uh-huh. to go down with like, I guarantee you, like John Carpenter-esque like adoration um, farther down in his career because he is so ridiculously talented. Like you can instantly know, like he just elevates a movie so much, especially horror. Like he knows the genre. He knows the beat so well. Um, and 
it's just incredible. Like I instant, like I instantly remembered. Like as soon because you know I've seen this before. I'm like, this is Bear for sure. Like I just knew it was his score. Um, and it's spectacular through the whole movie. Um, he just like I I noticed it probably for the first time in Happy Death Day. He just knows how to build tension with the score so fantastic um and i also really enjoy that when we get to the moment of tension it's subtle what he does with the score it's not like shrieking violins or anything too distracting um which is more of a a trend in like the earlier 80s uh slashers where we have like really high like synth scores like screeching to sort of like represent that something terrible has happened he lets the moment speak more if anything it gets more subdued and deep when like the big moment happens and it's just it's just super impressive um i just i just love his work um yeah so like happy death day walking dead 10 cloverfield lane godzilla king of monsters then all the like freaky uh which just came out babysitter killer queen another brand new one fantasy island like I mean, all the genre stuff. And honestly, like, if I was in, like, the producing genre films, if I was making a, a horror movie, I'd be like, I'd steal Breaker. Like, I'll spend all my money on him. Like, he needs to score my movie. Especially slashers. He just yeah. knows. Yeah. He's so good, like you said, at, and, like, kind of what the reviews were saying, right? Like, especially Brad's review. He knows how to balance fun and tension. Like, the moments of fun, he, like, presents, like, same thing in Happy Death Day, same thing in Freaky, um, same thing in Babysitter Killer Queen. Like, he knows when to play a moment for, like, scares, and he knows when to play a moment, like, this is the fun part of the movie, right? Like, this is when we're getting to know our characters. This is when we're, like, that the whole, like, kind of teenager, like, all that stuff is going on. And that's what I love and notice the most about him is just, like, he gets both. Um, which is really hard to do because sometimes you get someone who understands how to do horror beats and doesn't understand how to do the levity and it can be off-putting and you're like, what is this? Or like someone who does levity well, but then can't deliver on tension and like somehow Bear just nails both so perfectly. Yeah. Um, our editors are David Egan, who worked with Gregory uh, Plotkin on Game Night and then also Gregory Plotkin himself. Um, and then our cinematographer is Jose David Montero, um, who's done a, a lot of different things. Um, what happened to Monday, Apollo 18, Nomadis, Open Grave. Um, so some genre stuff, some Netflix stuff, um, but all pretty like recent newer stuff mm-hmm. too. All righty. So our cast, so our, um, first final girl is Amy and really our real final girl, Amy Forsyth as Natalie. Um, if you watch channel zero, she's in the no end house. Um, and then she's also in the, yeah. And then she's also in the Lizzie Borden Chronicles. Uh, so genre stuff under her belt for sure. Uh, rain Edwards as Brooke are our other survivor, but doesn't have sort of the final girl arc that Natalie has. Um, She's been in a few things. Um, she's a regular on the MacGyver TV show. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, Bex Taylor-Kloss as Taylor Ann Smythe. Um, she's from The Killing. Uh, Arrow, Scream uh, is probably where most people – Scream the TV show is probably what most people know her from. Uh, she's great. Uh, mm-hmm. She just, like, comes off the screen just incredible. She's She has really great uh, – like 
I want to say, uh, not chem- like charm. Oh, yeah, um, she's very charismatic. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just no matter what. And she's like kind of like a f- asshole character in this, but you still like her, <laughs> even though. That's kind of her role in everything. Yeah, like, yeah, she's kind of like a killing arrow scream. Yeah, she's, yeah. yes, she's abrasive. That's a great yeah. word for it, yeah. Um, Christian James as Quinn, um, Matt Mercurio as Asher. Uh, so these are our boyfriends, uh, our uh, our boy fodder for sure. Uh, Robbie mm-hmm. Atal as Gavin, uh, Tony Todd, the legend himself, as the Barker. Um, I mean, is Tony Todd? I mean, Candyman and one thousand other things. Uh, Michael Torek as the security guard. Uh, Courtney Dietz as Brittany, who's one of our, like, first victims. Um, Elle Graham as the other's daughter. And Stephen Conroy as the other. Um, and then also sort of like a little trivia is uh, Gargi Plotkin does uh, play the other, one of the other others. Uh, one of the characters from the actual ride. You oh, know, when she okay. discovers that it's that the mask he's wearing is from the people who are operating the ride. He, he plays the one that escorts her off the ride. So that's kind of his like cameo. That's fun. Yeah. Always love seeing directors kind of throw themselves in there. It's always a yeah, little it's, fun. It, it's kind of fun. Um, it's a haunt, um, which, you know, is definitely becoming more and more like the, it's genre it is that's exactly what trick was as well. Um, and it's also a teen scream, like a true blue teen sure. scream. Like, yeah, these characters are like what first year of college, I think. It's like I yes. think it's like pretty much yeah, like first as like freshman, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, our killer is the other, and um, in so you know, B and I have talked about this a lot on the show um, because we've obviously this is our seventy first movie, so we've run into a lot of you know antagonists. And um, there's two kind of ways that you can go with an antagonist, right? You either get like a very, um, you get a motive and you get direction and you understand why that they are killing. Um, and so we see that a lot in certain you know movies. Like you even just go back to like the episodes that we just covered like um night school gives a pretty detailed plot as to like why our killer is doing the things that they are doing um or you can look at something like as famous as halloween whereas like ignoring the sequels you look at like the first fall halloween and like michael myers literally has no motive other than he is a sociopath like he is a killer um and this goes with that latter direction it's I mean, this guy has no motive. He has no backstory. We get a very, very teeny tiny peek at a backstory at the end of the movie. Um, and it's not like a backstory that teaches us anything about his motive. It just gives us like a view into his life. Right. Um, and and sort of what makes the film scarier is knowing that he's done this before. And right. uh, he's just a regular guy. Because, right. you know, you see he has a daughter and – uh that's you know and it kind of puts you in this situation like can you trust anyone kind of scenario it's it's definitely like you know what movie codified that for me like this idea like or they this movie came up with like the best i always use it as a description mm-hmm. was the strength the strangers yeah. was because you were why home. are you doing this because you were home exactly like that for me is 100 percent like what the motive of these people is right it's yes. that because you were it's because because i wanted yeah. to um because he does you you showed up at exactly at the <clears throat> um he does tend to go after um 
brunette young women. Uh, so he has a type. I mean, he kills everyone, but like that's right. usually like, his central. They focus. they allude to the fact that he was stalking Brittany before he ends up stalking Natalie, um, and that was a young woman who was a brunette. And then we get like the kill um, in the opening. In the opening, and again. Um, a young woman who was a brunette and we could make the, you know, assumption that he, Jody, um, that he was also stalking her. Um, but that's it. I mean, his outfit he wears in this movie, uh, he wears an outfit as one of the cast members. Um, so we've got a hoodie, we've got a mask that, um, apparently was designed by, uh, Tony Gardner who designed Ghostface and Babyface. Um, which is very cool. Uh, I don't love the mask. I just love that we found a way to bring it back to Scream again. Always. <laughs> it's like every movie. <laughs> every movie, it has to have a yeah. connection. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's the rules of this podcast. Keep Scream. Yeah, the mask- yeah that's true. It's literally in our name. Um, the mask is fine. Like, it's very generic. And- it is. I wish it was something just a little bit more... I mean, it was awesome. I went to Spirit last weekend and I saw like the baby face mask. And even though there's always been like baby masks, there's always Mm -hmm. been like creepy little kid masks. Like that one is recognizable. And you know, oh, that's from Happy Death Day. Like, you know, that's like the Bayside baby. Like, you know, for sure. So I wish it was just a little bit more recognizable. It kind of looks like paper mache-y like burn like trying to look like burns or something almost like i'm just not really sure um it's not terrible it's just not my favorite yeah it looks like someone took like one of those old like roman masks of the emotions and like mm-hmm. melted it melted and it, it yeah around. yeah yeah like, that's what it, it looks, looks like. like it's burned um mm-hmm. which might have been what they were going for but because you know hell like i right they're sure i don't know it's fine uh, and then, you know, the generic outfit, like the boots play a big role. You know, of course, he's got to wear like the big uh, black boots. And that's how we know, like, that's like a telling sign in the end uh, where we can differentiate him from other people wearing that mask. Uh, but I like that. I like that it's it's not just a person that showed up and a character that he imitated one of the um, workers there. Yeah, and it plays into like one of the scares in a pretty integral right. way too. So. Um, are no iconic weapons. He so he gets into the park. They do like um, you know, uh, they like uh, they have a security system. Uh, what are they called? Metal detector. Um, <laughs> they, sure, that's how you know metal- we come from like white suburbia. As we don't remember what a metal detector is called. Yeah, we're privileged. <laughs> um, uh, but he has, um, they like use it. So he has to, he, he accumulates his weapons from the park itself. So he gets like, um, there's a knife that someone's using to like break ice. Um, and then he uses a mallet and axe and he induces an embolism from an alcohol syringe. So like he, he's resourceful, you know, he right. uses what he has around him. Which is a trope of a slasher film, for sure. If they don't oh, have yes. an iconic weapon, then they use what's around them. Yep, That big plays time. into the theme of the film, and this is the theme of haunts. There we go. Love it. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I super love it. Yeah. Um, so our final girl um, slash boy, we have no final boys this time. We get two uh, of our ladies, the best friends, Natalie and Brooke, who survive. 
Um, Natalie is our final girl. She plays that yeah. arc. And Brooke is definitely like the surviving best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, you know, we kind of analyze like, do they come out as like victim or hero? A little bit of both. Natalie is not like the strongest like hero final girl coming above. She has, she does get her moment in like the final scene. Um, she's smart. She suspects foul play the entire time with the other. Um, she's mm-hmm. instantly like suspicious and is like constantly saying, Hey, this guy's still following us. Hey, there's something up with this guy. And they all keep trying to convince her, Oh, you're just nervous. Like, Oh, like, you know, there's just, it's fine. They're just trying to scare you. They're just doing their job. Um, so I like that she's just not like playing dumb the whole time and she is being observant. Uh, and then when it comes down to like the final scene, she's the one who ends up Brooke is alive because of her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she has her moment to like be the hero and like rise above, but she just doesn't really have this big standoff moment with the other. It's really like she defeats him in that room with like all the masks in one of the haunts and lets mm-hmm. Brooke escape as she's like, you know, clobbering him with a mannequin arm or clobbering, clobbering. I made up a new word, clobbering. Clobbering. Collaboratively. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the police come to quote unquote save the day, but you know, they can't find him. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I think she's, she's likable. She is intelligent. Um, she cares for her friends. Uh, but we don't get any sort of like, we get a little bit of a glimpse into like her background and about like sort of her like anxiety about hanging out and uh, not coming around because of like pressures of school. But we don't really get any resolution to that those problems that are presented. Right. And I think that's kind of a big theme of this movie is no backstory on things like we get hints like we know that natalie and um taylor don't necessarily like each other um but they're like you know they have this night where they end up having fun together and you know we know that natalie is single and she like kind of hits it off with gavin and we know that the other has done this before and but like other than that like this movie really is about like this solitary night yeah um, in the moment and yeah and i feel like it's very um it is very cut and dry slasher but it rises above other slashers that try to do that because it understands how to have fun with that um well it reminds me a lot in structure wise with you know the plot of characters and a killer at as another halloween based movie and that's um um give me one second you know what i'm talking about um it's something named something similar to this good lord um oh bloodfest no No? you hated that movie um Uh, hate's a strong word right you dislike that movie um hellbent oh hellbent yeah yeah yeah. no it's super like that Yeah. yeah I was like, I yeah. know, I kept saying, I'm like, it's something just like this, but it's not, I kept going Hellfest. I'm like, wait, no, that's a movie we're talking about right now. It's very similar to um, Hellbent in that way, where we have like 
a group of, you know, young adults. They're going out on Halloween. Like, we get tiny glimpses into their lives, but not really. Like, they don't spend too much time, like, delving into the plot of, like, why these this group of people are together. They go out to this club and, like, start getting stalked by, like, an unknown assailant. Um. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And like, I didn't even make that connection until you brought it up. And what I will say, like, gives this movie an edge and what gives Hellbent an edge over other movies that try to do that, because we see that a lot, right? Like, especially once we get more into like 80s movies and even some of the like straight to DVD affair, like fairs of like the 90s and 2000s, we like horse cheap, right? So like people try to take advantage of that. And like, I feel like we've so we've seen this done less successfully um well with a little more backstory but like legend of bloody hatchet mary i don't remember the name of that fucking movie um but like similar ish where it's like we don't get a lot of backstory or a lot of like w character development in that movie right like we get a right. decent amount of backstory of our antagonist in that movie but like there's no like character development but i feel like that movie doesn't do what hellbent and hellfest do and part of the reason i think hellfest works so well and hellbent too um our characters are just fun right like they're like they have good chemistry with each other um which i really enjoyed and like they're fun to hang out with so like even though we don't know a ton about them we don't mind hanging out with them because right. they're easy to hang out with um so like they become like good storytelling vessels because like even though the plot isn't super deep these people are fun enough for us to be invested in the movie um and that was like something rewatching at this time around that i really noticed was like they all have really good chemistry and like that I really enjoy when they're hanging out with each other and like how quick they fall into their tropes. And like, you, you know that and like, you know it right away. Right. And like, you just go off that. Yeah. I guess the cast, uh, like met up like three days before filming started and like all stayed together and like had like basically a slumber party of like get to know each other and like, uh, watch horror movies all night. And I think, you can always tell when like a production makes the effort for the cast to get comfortable with each other first and sort of have mm -hmm. like bonding time before you throw them on screen together and like hope it clicks because they can kind of get those like like little like even like body language like nuances of like uncomfortability that you don't even register even like as an actor uh you can kind of get rid of those because you're already going to have a sense of ease because you've spent the last, you know, three days with these people or whatever it is. Yeah. Like I a hundred percent can see that. And like, yeah. I, I love that. I mean, that's awesome that they did that. Like everyone should do that. It's kind of like, it's like when you watch the first season of a television show and then like the fourth, right. And like yeah. those people know each other so well that the acting, no matter what just gets better because they mesh so well. Yeah. Um, And like these guys, like, I felt like that, you know, I was watching people that were comfortable with each other. Like it didn't feel fake or like it didn't feel like acted, you know, um, which is something I appreciated. Um, we have six kills, which is kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, you know, we obviously know our killer has a higher kill count than that, but that's what we get in this movie. Um, so Jody is our first kill and like, um, that kill, I believe we established two years before the events of this one. Cause they mention it right when they get to the hot, like, Oh mm -hmm. yeah. Two years ago in this town. Um, right. so, so, um, I think it's alluded to that that is Jody. Um, she, you know, and, and it's just a very basic, like she's at a hot and, um, she's like 
you know, going through and she's very scared and, um, you know, this guy's kind of like stalking, harassing her. And then she finally is like, dude, what's your problem? And he kills her. Um, right. And then like, that's literally like what we get. And then we move into now time when we meet all of our characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so we meet at first, we meet Natalie, Brooke and Taylor. Um, you know, Natalie comes over, Brooke and Taylor, have, like she's not super close with Taylor, but Brooke has invited her over because Taylor and her and friends and also Taylor's really into haunts. And they've got tickets to Hellfest, which we find out is it's a uh, a traveling horror um, like haunt. It like it's almost like a pop up haunt. Um, and they you know convince Natalie, who's usually the kind of their like do gooder, like stays home watches or like stays home and does homework friend to go out with them. Um, you know the whole thing moves along pretty fast. Like uh, we meet. Um, we meet Quinn, that is um, Brooke's boyfriend, and then they get to the haunt, and you know um, Taylor's uh, boyfriend Asher is there, and they've also brought a guide to try to set Natalie up with who is Gavin. Um, and then it's really just about like the six of them going through the haunt, um, while like kind of introducing us and like showing us that the killer, like the other, is there as well. Um, so we get a lot of like scenes. It's a lot of time like. What I like is it's a lot of time establishing the haunt, and sh- it just feels, like, really fun. <laughs> yeah, just showing the environment. Like, we don't necessarily get, like, any plot necessarily, like, why we're in the haunt. It really is just setting us up for, like, to be creeped out by everything that's happening and then setting us up for, like, the other's next kill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we get a little stuff with like cute, like fun, lighthearted stuff. You know, it's like Brad's review was mentioning that, you know, they were in so much of these setups for the kills and then we'll kind of get thrown into like some fun moments with the cast and some like cute moments between Gavin and um, uh, Natalie. Uh, but then it really like this whole section of the movie is really just about creeping us out at this very realistic haunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like B said, it's a lot of like, this is the part where like, I feel like even though it's not character development, we're getting in to know our characters. And so like, you know, um, and I think they're just like, like we come like, what I really liked is like Brooke and Taylor are totally there for Natalie and like like it's funny like they're the strong ones in the group like it's not the guys like quinn and asher both like are like in shape dudes and like but it's taylor and brooke or who are the ones who are like telling people to fuck off telling people leave natalie alone uh like totally like you know brooke's the one who goes after him when he I takes, think these like, would the be pictures. those uh feminist undertones that were being picked up on by that lovely <laughs> reviewer right exactly um and so you know and we get the like you know um it's like i said i just have a lot of fun with it like i think natalie and gavin like flirting with each other is really cute and also very like i think i liked it a lot because that is a hundred percent how i flirt (laughs) um so i was just like yeah i get this like i totally vibe with this because that is a hunt like that is definitely how i flirt is like um goofy wordplay and like uh, self-deprecating <laughs> so, failing at a physical activity to show your affection uh yeah pretty much yeah that's it um so although i don't know I if totally... you can call ring toss a physical activity it's more a game of chance but yeah 
but like this is when we're getting to know them right and like you know we know that taylor and asher are like the ones that are super hardcore into this and then like quinn and brooke are like also into it but they're like just having fun and like brooke and quinn are like super into each other and it's just like like i said it's easy to like you have to develop some sort of bond with the characters to care when they die right right Uh, um and i think they do they do a good job of that exactly yeah um so yeah, our yeah. first kill with this cast is we see they're going through a haunt. Um, they're getting freaked out, it's and then late. Uh, oh no, the first one's pretty early, but then the next one is a while. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. and they uh, see the other, and he's with a, a girl in sort of like a room by themselves, and she's like begging, like, "Oh my god, help me, help me, please!" Like, "Oh my god, please, somebody do something!" And you know, they think it's part of the act. And everybody else kind of moves on, but Natalie's like a little shaken from it. And she's just standing there like, oh, my God, like kind of doesn't really know what to think of it. And then she, you can tell, like see that she's trying to like talk herself like down and be like, it's totally fine. And she's like, what are you waiting for? And then he stabs her um, and kills the girl. And Natalie gets super uncomfortable because, you know, it seems real to her. And she runs out and meets up back up with everybody else and it's then after that that she notices that the other kind of picks her to be his next victim to stalk um and she starts noticing him stalking her um Mm -hmm. so again like we had these fun moments with the cast uh gavin and natalie take like a photo booth picture and they have their first kiss after like awkwardly flirting um and the other like takes their photos and brooke notices and like oh my god that guy took take took your photos and like kind of goes after him um and gets like really uncomfortable and uh, like skeezed out by him uh and quinn comes after her and then they come back to the group and she's like i don't know that guy was really weird like we'll just like let it go um she like has her brave moment and then decides like maybe i'm not gonna like fuck with this guy um and so they're gonna go to get on like the hellfest roller coaster and gavin decides that he's gonna stay behind and try and get a stuffed animal for natalie and so he goes back and the guy's like no i'm not gonna just give it to you and he's like well he's paid 50 bucks he's like too bad man So he has this great idea of like going to the lockers to try and see if any of them are open to try and steal one for her. Um, And as he's doing that, uh, the other shows up. And this is when we get sort of like a fun prop uh, kill. Uh, He hits him with a mallet like in his throat and like completely surprises him gets him on the ground and then smashes his head in with the mallet so kind of surprising like that's definitely not the first character you think is going to die um at least i yeah like wasn't expecting it especially like because things were just like starting to pick up romance wise with him and natalie and they kind of were spending a lot of time with those characters you're like oh, okay and then to see it be him and not like one of the other girls or one of the other boyfriends who we don't really get very much time with you're like oh shit okay like it's gavin like that's crazy yeah and i do enjoy that they set the kill up so like he's literally on one of those like test your strength right. things and like he hits his head and it goes up and it hits the bell and then you um, hear the noise and it, like and it's edited wonderfully which makes sense knowing plotkin's past um and it's like cut directly um into sort of like the bell going up and 
moving on to them getting in line for the Hellfest ride. Um, yep. Um, so yeah, it's a super cool kill. Yeah, and I like the subversion too. Like I love a good, you know, like um, I can't think of the term right now, but like basically like where he, he you know, um, we think our first kill is going to be um, – I'm blanking on her name, Brooke. Um, and like, he, right. when like, she goes totally, after him. Yeah. Cause she's alone and like, it's like, she isolates herself from the group. And then like, you're like wondering too, like, how are they not going to notice that? But then he subverts it and then it's Gavin and like, it totally makes sense. Cause Gavin decides not to go all, like, cause he's trying to be cute and charming um, and gets murdered. <laughs> so um, yeah. So this, this puts them on, like you said, like they go on the ride and like, you have to go on the ride to get into the last part, which is the health S zone and the health S zone. You have to sign a form, a liability form because they can touch you, which is real. By the way, there are haunts that'll do that. They're called extreme haunts where people are allowed to, there's levels, you know, um, there are some extreme haunts that are too extreme that I will never do where like, you're forced to do like weird things, not yeah. Weird things. I'll just say weird things. Like, what was it? Remember Turk had to like lick a dude's nipple on one. Um, like weird things um but like this one is not Just that classify extreme when when ryan says weird things licking a man's nipple will be under that yeah um yeah i mean unless you're into that in the right situation that's not weird but no it's definitely um, a weird thing to go to a haunt and be uh yes your tongue being involved in anything yeah um but there are a lot of haunts where people because you know if you're not familiar with haunts like they're not allowed to touch you right like you're asked not to touch them because they're going to get close to you and they're going to follow you, but like, and they might accidentally touch you if you react in a certain way, but like they are not allowed to touch you. Um, so they have created extreme haunts where you sign a liability form saying like, I recognize that these people are going to touch me. Um, and again, like there's levels and this one's level is like, they're allowed to like grab you to scare you or like pick you up, but vomit on you. that should be the yeah spray you with ooze, but that should be like the level of it right so they sign this liability form and they ride this they ride through this haunted house which is pretty good pretty pretty creepy and then like this is where you know we discover that the other is like a uh reoccurring character in this like haunt because you know they do this thing where like they pretend to break the ride down is it determined whether he is the actual other or not um, I'm not, not sure. Right? I don't think it is. No, I think yeah, it's just somebody because, there to freak her out. Right. Because like they do this thing where like the other gets in the cart with a single rider. And so that's when we discover, cause there's like six of them that this is a costume that is being used throughout the park in the most extreme part of the park. Right. Um, yeah. So once they get there, they like, this is where things kind of speed up. Um, and you know, like they, like Taylor gets picked up by one of the guys and like gets carried away um and then they go like run after her um and then natalie um oh no yeah natalie gets cornered and amazed and escapes from the other um and this is when she becomes like pretty much full-blown convinced that like someone is stalking her um maybe not necessarily killing people but definitely like a hundred percent stalking her yeah yeah um and this is where we get like our next like group kill or um, part of the group kill asher gets separated from quinn um in one of the haunted houses and he gets killed by the other um who stabs him in the eye yep it's it's yeah eye kills are hard like always like eye mutilation is always like really hard for me so um 
I yeah, no, that's a good kill for sure. Yeah, it's funny that like that review was like it's not very bloody, and I'm like, bro, like a dude's head explodes and there's an eye kill. Yeah, <laughs> like like there's literally gnarly. a needle going into an eye, and you can like see the blood coming out of the eye. But sure, not yeah. gory, whatever. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and this is kind of when we go into so. Um. Natalie has this altercation with the other in the bathroom. She finds out that he has Gavin's phone um, and the photos. And so now she's like kind of convinced that he's done something, that he's trying to kill her and that he's done something to Gavin. Um, And they talk to – she tells Brooke. They talk to like a security person. And this is where it gets very into sort of like uh, social commentary uh, aspect because he's basically like, I mean, what do you expect? You signed up for this. Like – who's going to believe you like I get people who claim they're getting harassed here every day like what what makes you think I'm going to believe you like literally just like very much on that and sort of just you know I think it's Um, a, a direct commentary on often what women experience when they come forward with harassment um yep it's like quote unquote what they hear from you know, people in authority. Um, so yeah, he doesn't believe her. He's like, it's your friend fucking with you. And she's like, no, Mm -hmm. you don't understand. He's like, no, it's Gavin. Like, um, so they ignore her and we kind of get to this next scene that, uh, we find out Taylor has signed up, uh, to be part of this stage act. And this is where we meet Tony Todd's character. Um, and he like puts her in a guillotine and Natalie is convinced that it's real. Um, because she sees the same shoes as the other, as the, uh, what are they called? The guys who execute? The, the executor. executioner. The executioner. The executioner, yeah. 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 You're pretty close. The executor. Uh, she recognizes his shoes and is like, that's him. Like, oh my God, it's him. He's going to actually chop her head off. Um, and so super suspenseful, guillotine comes down. Uh, it's all fake. The head, Taylor's like giggling and laughing. Um, it's amazing. Uh, they wheel her backstage and she's like, okay, like somebody get me out of this. And a security guard like looks at the executioner, which we know is the other, and says like, oh, do you got this? And he's like, you nods like he has this. Um, and he starts like attacking her and like setting her up like he's actually going to uh, – chop off her head for real and he tries and this yes. scene is gross to me because like so he tries but basically the blade is so dull it can't yeah. cut through her neck yeah so it just like thunks into her neck and i'm like ew like that sucks yeah so she escapes in that moment um and runs and uh is like terrified and saying like she's trying to get killed and this is where um Natalie hears her and is like, oh, my God, that's Taylor. Like, we need to go help her. Um, But the other catches up with her, stabs her, and then Quinn uh, comes to try and he gets closer to try and rescue and just gets stabbed himself. And this is the moment where everybody knows it's real. Um, He's officially – and he's taken off his, like, executioner. He's back in his his regular outfit. Um, And this is when we have sort of our final moment where – um, our only survivors left are Natalie and Brooke, and they are just trying to get out. Um, yeah. 
like complete panic has like caused every like everyone to run into every which way and yeah. like security thinks that they found the killer but it's not the killer and no, the girls get he's wearing red shoes so we know it's not him again the right. shoes and then the girls get trapped in a maze and like the last that's the last you know like 15 20 minutes of the movie is them going through this maze and really trying to survive it's just them and the killer in there and they're like hiding in all these little like trap doors and all these little spots and also having to go through and like keep themselves quiet while this maze is still active and like scaring them um and then you know we get to our final showdown which we talked at the top of the episode about kind of where natalie does manage to like subdue him to the point where they are able to escape um and then the police come in to get him and he's gone and then we get this like little tiny bit at the end where we see you know him go home um he puts his mask and the pictures he stole into a cabinet with a bunch of other masks and then he goes into his living room and his daughter is there and she like greets him and he gives her one of the stuffed animals from the park Yep. and that's the end of the movie the um movie. i did think it was weird that he hums pop goes the weasel like the whole movie yeah <laughs> i was like that's an interesting one to pick like it is creepy i guess but also right. like pop goes the weasel is not like the creepiest song but it's a it, that's a game of suspense right right so it's a game yeah. of anticipation you're winding yeah. it and you're winding it and you're winding it and then you get scared because yeah so i get it so, i get the association no i definitely understand the intent so yeah um and uh yeah um so b what is your favorite kill um i definitely have to go with the gavin's first like the mallet kill i just think it's a surprising kill it's not the the character i would expect to go first um because he's not the first to die in general um mm -hmm. but he's the first out of the group um and i feel like it's gets hard in slashers to like not be able to predict who's next to go um sometimes uh and so i did enjoy that and i just thought it was shot incredibly well the effects were great i liked the the you know pairing with the actual uh game itself that would be at that type of event so i just thought it was a really great kill yep um i'm right there with you i yeah. just love that kill i think yeah. it's like beautifully timed um just bloody enough to really keep like keep you like oh shit um and uh, of course i love a good theme kill you yeah. know and so like it's definitely the most themed um like he's able to you know the guillotine one's almost there um if it had actually happened but like this one is like so perfectly themed with the fact that they're at like this amusement park so right no, I, yeah it's definitely my favorite too um this movie's very new still it's only two years old it's um, you know, it, it came out to a lukewarm reception, obviously, but um, in the horror community, at least, like, it's already picked up, like, quite a cult, like, following. Um, every once in a while, I just saw, like, a week ago, someone posting about it, and they were like, yeah, like, this is great. Um, like, this movie is really good, and, like, um, I don't know why more people want to watch it. I even posted about it today, um, and I was just like, hey, like, this movie is like really good and you know like i i'm confident like as years go it will become a halloween favorite and like numerous people jumped on and we're like yeah absolutely agree mm -hmm. like i think it's uh, gonna it's find its day for sure oh yeah for sure this is like a hundred percent you can just tell like it's one of those movies that you can watch and you're like you know you see those movies and you watch them and you're like this movie will be uh, like a cult classic and find it's like following one day like this the first time i saw this i was like yep like this is gonna be one of those movies that like 
if it doesn't like pick up now, it's going to, especially just slasher fans are so rabid. Um, and to find something as fun as this, it's like, it's going to be impossible to not make it like one of those movies. Yeah. I mean, it would be interesting to see like what caused, I mean, I know that, you know, Bloodfest got released before this movie, but I don't think Bloodfest had a theatrical. I think it was just VOD. Um, it was. Yeah. Um, and I even got really confused, like, in, like, as a genre fan, like, the difference between the two films and, like, they're very, very different. Um, Bloodfest is very much like a comedy. Um, and it also has, like, you know, uh, more of a, like, known cast you know Zachary Levi's in it and like a few other people like Tate Donovan and stuff um and so it's just a very different film with like very similar names and kind of ideas sort of um and so yeah I would just be interested to see like why like Hellfest didn't just do better um so you know what I think because I was I was looking so it's actually a year after Happy Death Day um oh I was looking and it, it actually launched pretty strong um like it did pretty well like launch it launched against smallfoot and night school which both aren't you know totally similar so it doesn't have to compete um and it had it debuted at 5.1 million um which is you know like for its budget it made its budget back already like its initial budget and stuff but it dropped 60 percent the next weekend um and I think it's the next weekend was really stacked. Um, like looking at it, uh, it the next weekend saw Venom, A Star Is Born, um, which both were smash box office. Yeah, like smashes. like smash Massive. hit. Um, like so. And then it, what Halloween went, came out two weeks later. Yeah, so like I think it just didn't have time. Um, yeah. Whereas like some movies do the opposite, where I think Happy Death Day. And even something like Hereditary, when they came out, like started I, like with a smaller buzz and grew because people went and saw it. And we're like, holy shit, this is great. Um, this this one didn't quite have that power. Yeah, it didn't have yeah. that time. I mean, a 60% box office drop is pretty monumental. Um, yeah. And so like it just went, uh, it it was stacked and the cards were stacked against it. And like, yeah, um, Goosebumps 2 and Halloween were both the next month. And so like it had genre stuff to compete against that it just couldn't compete against right yeah but i mean i do think it it'll be fine i think overall um yeah so this is our 71st movie um at the end of every episode we do rank our movies and you can find that ranking at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list um number one is nightmare on elm street from 1984 which we did earlier this year followed up by my bloody valentine from 81 and black christmas from 74 and running at the bottom of the list are both april fool's day both 86 and 2008 and girls night out from 1982 um this one does pretty good (laughs) uh i'm i'm looking it's kind of in the same range of a lot of the last ones we've looked at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it works really well as the type of slasher it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's just one of those slashers that doesn't quite do the – it, like, does the part of the blueprint, right? Um, right. So like the parts it does, it does really well. It does really well. Mm-hmm. Like, the actual kills, the cat and mouse stuff. Um 
I think our killer is solid. I think our final girl is just not generic enough to not be generic. Right. If you know what well, I mean. Yeah. And in general, like our our group of teens are interesting to be with. Um, mm-hmm. which is always refreshing and something we look for. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I mean, I think it it plays out like really similarly to Hellbent as structure wise. Um, I think because of budgetary reasons, uh, it, it does it better (laughs) and like, you know, more experienced talent behind it. Um, it, it does what Hellbent does better. Um, well, not necessarily what Hellbent does because obviously Hellbent also has the, the angle of featuring, um, a gay cast, which is nice to fucking see. (laughs) Right. Um, so not in that way, but I mean, in the structure of it as a slasher. Um, yeah. And then, you, you know, we look at things that, so, I mean, I think it should, you know, rank similarly above it, but then we look at what we just did last week, which is trick, um, which we get some really cool kills and, you know, the formula, but it doesn't do the formula as well. Like we get the formula and the blueprint, but it doesn't do it as well. But it's sloppy and right. how it does it. Um, so I think we can elevate this a, a higher than that um, for that reason. Um, it kind of reminds me a lot, actually, of Intruder and Cold Prey. Like both of those in the sense of like mm-hmm. our actual cat and mouse stuff, our group stuff is all fun and good. The killer uses the weapons that are available to him. Right. Um, not a ton of backstory um you know cold prey literally gives us like a backstory on the in the intro based on newsreels um and then intruder kind of just shoehorns one in um like i kind of think i'm looking at like right above intruder Mm -hmm. um because because it does all kind of similar obviously which is why they're here because there are movies that what they do they do well um, mm-hmm. But they they lack on some of those like bigger tropes that make it like a. It's always hard because it's like it, it is a slasher, but it's not like. I don't even I can't think of the right word to describe it, but it's it's like you have a blueprint, but it's just the framework, right? And then like the details aren't filled in. Yeah. Um, and that's like that's where I start because I agree. Like, and that's how I kind of think like Intruder and Cold Prey iced like you know child's play is different we dock child's play because it kind of moves into like this magic territory and loses sense yeah it loses sense of like it's slasher dumb for like half the movie um but like intruder cold prey iced all do this thing where they like they very much actually nail the framework but they kind of felt like phone in the details um so yeah i think you're good with three yeah cool so Hellfest is our new number 30. Um, that's cool. Making it in the top 30 right under Night School, which was also from this month. Um, and, you know, just a few few slots ahead of Trick. So we had a lot of movies um, make the top half of our list this month. I which can't is what else we covered this month. Uh, pieces. It was pieces. pieces. Yeah. Which I, I think ended up below. 53. Yeah. That's bottom half. Um, All righty. Yeah. So yeah, it's our new number 30. Thanks guys for tuning in for episodes. You know, B and I, we've had, as everyone has had, um, a tumultuous year and, you know, we've just, um, with 
just lots of things. B is, um, you know, a mom. <laughs> um, and, you know, she has taken on this Netflix uh, job, which is a great advancement for her career. And then, you know, I had the move and, um, you know, just some life stuff. And we fell off a couple times. And like, sometimes we, there were a couple times B and I literally were like, do we want to keep doing this? Um, and we kept coming to the end point of yes, because I think it's even more important that we do it now because we don't live in the same town. So it forces yeah. us to hang out with each other, um, which I love um, because when you get busy, it's hard to remember to schedule that time with your best friends because you get used to the idea that you can just fit it in. And then like you forget like, oh, no, we're adults. <laughs> and, yeah. Like, no we, we, yeah, we have to like schedule this stuff out. So um, we will be you know this is three years for us and we will be as far as we know going for at least a full another year uh if not more um and you know it was fun to do four episodes and after this we'll go back to bi-weekly and as soon as we know what we are watching we will let you guys know so you can continue to follow along so um yeah have a great halloween or we hope you had one and until next time keep screaming